Hi everyone, welcome back to the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast. In today's episode, we cover the topic of Guillain-Barre syndrome, found under the neurology section at medbullets.com. Let's begin with a clinical snapshot. A 35-year-old man presents to the emergency department for difficulty with walking. His symptoms began approximately one week ago and have progressively worsened. He has noticed some lightheadedness with standing up from a seated position and some numbness in the bilateral lower extremities. Physical exam is notable for 4 out of 5 power and decreased sensation to light touch and pinprick in the bilateral lower extremities and absent patellar and ankle reflexes. A lumbar puncture is performed, which demonstrates a cell count of 1 per microliter, protein is 135 mg per deciliter, and glucose is 65 mg per deciliter. He is admitted to the neurology floor for frequent negative inspiratory pressure and vital capacity measures and intravenous immunoglobulin. Let's continue with an introduction to Guillain-Barre syndrome. It is defined as an immune-mediated polyneuropathy that has many variant forms. These can include acute inflammatory demyelinating polyneuropathy, chronic inflammatory demyelinating polyneuropathy, and Miller-Fisher syndrome, which presents with ophthalmoplegia, ataxia, and areflexia. With regards to epidemiology, risk factors include recent infection, such as with Campylobacter jejuni, which is the most common cause, but can also include mycoplasma pneumoniae, HIV, Epstein-Barr virus, and Zika virus. The pathogenesis is due to a previous infection, which triggers an immune response that cross-reacts with parts of the peripheral nerve via molecular mimicry. This then results in damage to the Schwann cells. And with regards to prognosis, remember that there is an improved outcome with either plasmapheresis or intravenous immunoglobulin. Moving on to the presentation, the classic presentation involves a typically ascending and fairly symmetric muscle weakness, along with depressed or absent reflexes. However, other findings may include autonomic dysfunction and peripheral cranial nerve palsies, especially cranial nerves 3 through 12. And the Miller-Fisher variant will include findings of ophthalmoplegia, ataxia, and areflexia. With regards to imaging, MRI is indicated to rule out other causes of weakness. And in acute cases, it may demonstrate enhancement and thickening of the intrathecal spinal nerve roots, as well as the cauda equina. And with regards to other studies, spirometry may be used to ensure adequate respiratory function, and the patient should be intubated early if it's necessary. Lumbar puncture can be performed and will typically demonstrate albuminocytologic dissociation, which is characterized by an elevated protein and a normal white blood cell count. Additionally, nerve conduction studies may demonstrate slowed conduction velocity, as well as reduced amplitude in compound muscle action potentials. And in terms of the differential, make sure to think about acute myelopathy, with differentiating factors being a spinal cord lesion seen on MRI. In terms of treatment, conservative treatment options include acute supportive care, which is indicated to acutely manage complications of Guillain-Barre syndrome, such as respiratory failure, which is managed with intubation, hypotension, which is managed with fluids or phenylephrine, and atrioventricular blocks and asystole, which is managed with atropine or cardiac pacing. Medical treatment options include plasmapheresis, which hastens neurological recovery, as well as intravenous immunoglobulin, or IVIG, which also hastens neurological recovery. And remember that plasmapheresis and IVIG are equally effective. Lastly, complications related to Guillain-Barre syndrome may include respiratory failure, autonomic instability, and complications from IVIG and plasmapheresis. Now that we've discussed the major points relating to Guillain-Barre syndrome, let's walk through some questions to apply what we've learned and get a sense of how the topic might be tested. 
For the first question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 42-year-old man presents to the emergency department complaining of bilateral lower extremity weakness. He reports progressively worsening weakness over the past two days that initially began in his feet. The patient reports some paresthesias and a quote-unquote charley horse, like pain in his legs, about one week ago. He denies any lower extremity or back pain, fever, chills, urinary or fecal incontinence, or recent trauma. His medical history is significant for poorly controlled diabetes. Physical exam is significant for track marks on his left arm, decreased strength in the bilateral lower extremities, and absent bilateral patellar and Achilles deep tendon reflexes. Cranial nerves 2 through 12 are intact, heel to shin testing and finger to nose testing are normal, and his gait is wide based. Which of the following is the best diagnostic test for this patient's condition? And the answer choices are choice 1, blood culture. Choice two, lumbar puncture for cerebral spinal fluid analysis. Choice three, magnetic resonance imaging of the spine. Choice four, muscle biopsy. Or choice five, pulmonary function testing. The best answer to this question is choice two, lumbar puncture for cerebral spinal fluid analysis. This patient likely has Guillain-Barre syndrome, or GBS, as demonstrated by his progressive ascending weakness, areflexia, and progression of symptoms in two weeks. A lumbar puncture for cerebrospinal fluid analysis is one of the supportive investigations commonly performed for the diagnosis of GBS. GBS is an acute demyelinating disorder caused by an aberrant immune response that results in the damage of the peripheral nervous system. Although the specific cause is unknown, the majority of patients experience an infection, most commonly gastroenteritis and or respiratory tract infection, days to weeks before onset. The course of the disease is triphasic and is characterized by an acute phase, a plateau, and a recovery phase. During the acute stage, patients typically present with gradual symmetric onset of weakness, gait disturbance, paresthesias, poorly localized pain, diminished or absent reflexes, and sometimes autonomic instability, such as hypertension. Diagnosis is clinical. Criteria include progressive weakness of more than two limbs, areflexia, and progression of symptoms in four weeks or less. Cerebrospinal fluid analysis may reveal elevated protein without an elevated cell count. This is referred to as albuminocytologic dissociation, which is a characteristic finding. Other studies, such as nerve conduction studies and electromyography, are also helpful in supporting the diagnosis. Management includes supportive treatments based on symptoms, such as intubation if poor respiratory function, plasma exchange, and high-dose immunoglobulin therapy. Most patients recover, though the recovery period ranges from a few weeks to a few years. The majority of deaths occur secondary to respiratory failure or cardiac complications. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice one, blood culture may be indicated as an epidural abscess is on the differential given the patient's poorly controlled diabetes and likely intravenous drug use, as evidenced by the track marks on the left arm. However, this patient does not have signs of an infection, such as a fever, or spinal tenderness on exam. His symptoms of progressive weakness and areflexia are more suggestive of GBS. Choice three, magnetic resonance imaging of the spine is a good test to obtain to rule out other causes of weakness such as transverse myelitis. However, this study has limited utility in diagnosing GBS, which is likely given this patient's clinical course. Choice four, 
Muscle biopsy is a confirmatory diagnostic test for the diagnosis of polymyositis, which presents with pain and muscle tenderness, often involving the shoulder and upper arm. Patients do not present with areflexia or significant limb weakness seen in this patient. Choice 5. Pulmonary function testing is indicated in patients with GBS as a monitoring test for respiratory function. Otherwise, a single test has limited diagnostic utility as other disease processes, such as chronic obstructive pulmonary disease, can affect its result. Finally, a bullet summary. Guillain-Barre syndrome is an acute demyelinating disorder of the peripheral nervous system and is diagnosed clinically with supportive findings from cerebrospinal fluid analysis, which often reveals an albuminocytologic dissociation. For the second question, consider the following clinical scenario. A 28-year-old man presents to the emergency department with lower extremity weakness. He was in his usual state of health until 10 days ago. He then began to notice his legs were tiring out during his workouts. This progressed to difficulty climbing the stairs to his apartment. He has asthma and uses albuterol as needed. He has no significant surgical or family history. He smokes marijuana daily, but denies use of other recreational drugs. He is sexually active with his boyfriend of two years. He has never traveled outside of the country, but was camping three weeks ago. He reports that he had diarrhea for several days after drinking unfiltered water from a nearby stream. On physical exam, he has one out of five strength in his bilateral lower extremities. He uses his arms to get up from the chair. Achilles and patellar reflexes are absent. A lumbar puncture is performed, and the results demonstrate that the cerebral spinal fluid has a clear color, a pressure of 15 centimeters of water, zero red blood cells, a leukocyte count of three cells per microliter with lymphocytic predominance, a glucose of 60 milligrams per deciliter, and protein of 75 milligrams per deciliter. A culture of the cerebral spinal fluid is pending. Which of the following is the part of the management for the patient's most likely diagnosis? And the answer choices are choice one, aspirin, choice two, azithromycin, choice three, doxycycline, choice four, intravenous methylprednisolone, or choice five, plasmapheresis. The best answer to this question is choice five, plasmapheresis. The patient is presenting with symmetrical, ascending weakness and areflexia following a gastrointestinal infection, as well as elevated protein in the cerebral spinal fluid without an increase in the cell count, which is suspicious for Guillain-Barre syndrome, or GBS. GBS should be treated with plasmapheresis. GBS is an acute, acquired, demyelinating disorder. It is often preceded by a viral or bacterial illness or vaccination. One of the most common preceding infections is Campylobacter jejuni which is commonly contracted from raw poultry, contaminated water, or raw, unpasteurized milk, and causes diarrhea. Patients with GBS present with symmetrical, ascending weakness that evolves over one to two weeks. On exam, symptoms vary based on severity from areflexia to urinary retention, autonomic dysfunction, and hypoventilation. A lumbar puncture will confirm albuminocytologic dissociation which is elevated protein without an increase in leukocyte count. Management involves ensuring adequate respiratory function and treatment with either plasmapheresis or intravenous immunoglobulin. Let's also discuss why the other choices are incorrect. Choice one, aspirin is not part of the treatment for GBS. Choice two, azithromycin can be used to treat Campylobacter jejuni. This patient no longer has diarrhea. Thus, azithromycin would not be beneficial. 
Choice 3. Doxycycline can be used for Lyme disease. This patient's symptoms and lumbar puncture are more consistent with GBS. Choice 4. Intravenous methylprednisolone has questionable benefit for GBS. Although GBS is considered an autoimmune disease, studies have not consistently shown that steroids affect long-term prognosis or shorten time to recovery. Finally, a bullet summary. Guillain-Barre syndrome is treated with supportive management in IVIG or plasmapheresis. That's all for this review about Guillain-Barre syndrome. We hope that was helpful. This is the MedBullet Step 2 and 3 podcast, a daily audio review session for MedBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for medical student education. As a reminder, you can follow along with these podcast episodes by reviewing the topics directly on MedBullets.com. You can listen to these episodes on the MedBullets website or phone app while reading through the topic. If the MedBullets podcast has been valuable to you, we'd be thrilled if you considered leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow, right here on the MedBullets Step 2 and 3 podcast.